0: Our family didn't have family vacations. We didn't go to the beach in the summertime. You know, we, we we wrestle. You know, I don't think I did anything that no one can do, or else I wouldn't have done it. It's almost like I was more excited for him to win than 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 I than I cared about me winning. You know, that was run- when I really truly understood that you can't get on that podium without being a well-rounded wrestler. There's no reason to sleep in. You know, I I don't, uh, you know, I think sleeping in is just a little bit of being lazy. Wrestling's just like one big puzzle. There's like a counterattack to every attack that the opponent has, and it's just fun trying to like figure everything out. No, I think you had some uh, pretty good questions, pretty in depth. Only fault was that I thought I could pin everybody, you know, so going into the semifinals, I didn't really have a game plan. I was, like, super, super, super intense. All I cared about was wrestling. You know, that's what I love to do. I want to stand out. I want to get in your face. I want to beat you up. For 17 years, it was, like, this is what I was training for, you know? And this is potentially my last tournament. It's like, this is it. It's, like, eight mile. Like, you only get one shot. I felt like he took what was mine, you know? And um, I was trying to take what was his. So, just kind of how things go.
1: Welcome to episode 35 of the Sudden History Wrestling Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Earl Smith. I'm glad everybody's taking a break from all of the craziness that's the D1 coaching carousel for a few minutes. Today, I'm getting back to my favorite type of show. I enjoy doing the bracket breakdowns, lists, comparisons, the geeky fact shows, but in the end, what I love most is the long interviews where I get to sit down with a stud wrestler and dissect his career. I like to think that I'm in the top 1% of all wrestling nerds. I feel like I pay much closer attention to wrestling than one should. But whenever I do one of these interviews, I end up learning a ton myself. So without further ado, let's get into it. Here's my interview with Adam Hall. Our guest today on episode 35 of the Sudden History Wrestling Podcast was a two-time NCAA All-American and two-time Pac-10 champion for Boise State. He's currently an assistant coach for the NC State Wolfpack, Let's welcome Adam Hall. How's it going, Earl? Great, great. And uh, it was uh, the Pac-10 back in those days, right? Back in the old days?
0: Yeah, I think our our last year was the Pac-12.
1: I'm not sure. We didn't really. (laughs) Whatever it was, we needed to get through to get to Nationals. Yeah. Okay, so we're about two weeks removed from the NCAA tournament. What's going on in Raleigh at this time of year for you and the rest of the coaching staff?
0: Uh, no time off. That's all that I can say. We, uh, so we were just talking about how much work we've, we've gotten done since NCAAs and just, uh, I mean, obviously having two big recruiting weekends in a row and then just, you know, we did a, you know, a comprehensive analysis of the, the season, what we did right, what we didn't and what we can do to get better, you know? And, and what I like is we're not opposed to, changing some things to try to get some better results and you know I guess like they say if if it uh if you don't you know put yourself out there and, and allow for mistakes you'll never know where you know where you can make your biggest gains. So um I think uh the last two weeks have been very helpful. Obviously, we, you know, we didn't end the way we wanted to. I guess we ended the way everyone expected us to, not the way we expected. So, um, yeah, it's been a, been a busy last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, kind of playing off that, since you've had time to reflect, you know, how do you feel about the team's 2016-17 season? You qualified all 10 starters for nationals. Kevin Jack placed third at 141 and you had another very good dual season but the expectations for the team have risen in the past couple of years
0: yeah i mean it was difficult obviously losing two all-americans and redshirting one and and bringing in 12 freshmen and the dynamic of the team was just completely different i think we were pretty frustrated and for the first couple few months cuz trying to find the, uh, you know, the team identity, who was going to lead, you know, with some guys red shirting and, you know, some guy new starters coming in. It's, it's always difficult. And, you know, that's our job to, to coach them up and, and guide them through that process. So it was, uh, it was a learning year as much for the, the guys as it was for us coaches. And, you know, I think it met, makes you better as a person and, and uh, as a coach, because you're, I think you're you're dealing with adversity on a, a weekly basis, and um, you know there never was a dull moment when we had. I mean, seven seven guys in our lineup were new starters, so wow. <laughs> when you yeah, it's a it was a complete changeover. So uh, really thankful for the guys that we have. They put in a lot of work, especially our red shirts too. I mean, they went on everything, and even with our guys, our top guys that we can get into Midlands. Um, we did. So, uh, you know, we're just trying to continue to make gains as a program and we have even higher expectations, I think next year than we did this year and last year. So, um, you know, with some guys coming off a red shirt, the, the, the amount of guys we have returning, uh and now the
1: depth and leadership that we have
0: is, uh, is great. so,
1: so, one thing I've admired about the Wolfpack program, and it's become a trend the past few seasons, I mentioned this to Coach Popolizio on my ACC preview show, it seems like every year you have a guy or two that wasn't a big-name recruit develop into a highly-ranked D1 wrestler. Going back a few years, you had Tommy Gant, Kevin Jack, Max Roscoff, this year Michael Machiavello. You know, what's the secret on the development of guys like this?
0: I think our program is built around a, a blue-collar mentality. It's kind of what our school is like. Um, you know, we started as an agriculture and uh, engineering school. We're known to some of the you know the schools down the road as as the uh, the farmer the farmer school. And so, you know, we pride ourselves in our work and the the guys that we find from um, not only in state but but uh, you know rural areas. I guess you could say a lot of our guys are from rural areas and and uh you know like a guy like Michael Machiavello um uh, I think just finding the right fit for our program and he certainly is just a guy that that you have to you have to tell him to stop working out you know he's a guy that's always trying to get better and it shows you know we we looked at at uh you know our starters and guys across the board and who was staying after practice to work who was putting in some more wraps who was you know who was hungry the entire season and not you know didn't didn't fade or didn't have lulls in the season I guess he just continued to to get better and he's a great example great leader um both on the mat and in the classroom so um it's great to have guys that we can find like that or a little diamond in the rough um And just allow them to to develop, and I think the work we do in the off season, the summer, the spring and summer, you know, and then in season, the amount of time we put into developing the guys really shows. And so, um, yeah, he's done a great job; he really has.
1: So, circling back to your own career, um, when did you get involved in wrestling, and why? I
0: I started wrestling when I was five. Um, my older brother brought home a flyer, um, from the local club and he was three years older than me and he started when he was like six or seven. So I was four. My mom wouldn't let me start until I was five. So I just go to the practices and I'd like pace back and forth by the mat because I was pretty upset about it. But yeah, I got started when I was five and then, um, crazy thing is my dad was the, my high school's first state champion. And he wrestled a couple of years in college, but he never told my mom that he started, that he ever wrestled in his life.
1: Oh, wow.
0: She found out. Yeah. She actually found out that he start, that he wrestled, uh, from like finding trophies and different things in the, but the basement of my grandma's, uh, house. Oh. So it was just kind of a chapter of his life that he just, I don't, I've asked him like, why did you never tell mom that you ever wrestled? That's just weird to me. He's like, I don't know. I just, I went on to my career, and that was it. I just didn't.
1: I don't know. That's so, I, I was going to say that's funny because uh, on the first date with uh, me and my wife, I actually bragged about pinning one of her friends. <laughs> so, uh,
0: <laughs>
1: that's uh, great. And, and then, actually, I, I ran into your parents. I don't know if I told you this uh, last year at NCAs uh, on the subway in New York and uh they were both wearing the NC State gear and a couple of my friends had Virginia Tech stuff so um your mom struck up a conversation and she was pretty much going like match through match through the ACC tournament and uh you know she was a she, she was a guru and then uh she mentioned that her son was a coach and it kind of came full circle for me you know who they were right
0: they're they're diehard fans they uh you know when I Decided to take the job out at Columbia, and I was there for four years. They were repping the the the, uh, the light blue out of Nationals every year. You know, they uh, they love it. Um, I think part of them is like not necessarily living vicariously through the team and, and myself. It's like they've gained such an appreciation of the sport over the time that it's like they're true fans. I guess you know.
1: Mm-hmm. So talk about the wrestling scene in Idaho when you were coming up, you know, where did you train? And, you know, at that point in time, there's some really tough guys that came through the state, you know, yourself of course, and then Clayton Foster, Kirk Smith, the Rochal, Dan Erickson, Sean Jones, um, you know, all those guys had some sort of national level credentials. Yep. Um, you know, it was really difficult,
0: um, I don't actually know the situation in Northern Idaho where I'm from now, as far as like a club goes, but um, I was fortunate enough to have a great high school coach and a great um, youth coach that, you know, I had the basics down. That was it. And they knew that I needed some extra push and some extra help. And luckily um, about an hour and a half away in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, North Idaho, uh, college is one of the best junior colleges in the country and at the time John Owen was was still coaching there and had a a club that attracted wrestlers from all over the inland northwest from eastern Washington northern Idaho and kind of the best kids just you know we'd have to drive an hour and a half one way twice a week um we'd leave right after school and go down to the the club and wrestle in the practice and come back do our homework in the car you know and so it was, It was a it was a tough couple few years that we that we wrestled the club and we also ended up going to into Spokane which is two hours away as well and it's just you know how do kids get good they find they find a way I don't know they they have supportive parents and they're willing to travel different different things they they seek out good competitions you know my mom she used to fly myself and my my coach out to kids nationals and regionals. You know, I was just very fortunate that that had parents that wanted to invest in it. So, um, you know, on top of that, in, yes, in our state, we had, we had, uh, some, some blue chip guys. Um, obviously the, the, the depth of the state is not there, but, um, we were fortunate enough to have, have guys like Kirk Smith and Clayton Foster, um, guys who around my age and we traveled together and actually we, we still talk about it to this day. One year in the, the state tournament, Kirk, uh, Clayton and I were all in the same weight and, oh wow. uh, yeah, yeah. And I remember Clayton was just putting a beating on me and I like stepped over and pinned him <laughs> and I still hang that on him like to this day. And, but, uh, yeah, we used to battle quite a bit before they both outgrew me. Um, but a lot of the, the upper level development that we got, and they'll say that they'll probably say the same thing. Can be attributed to um, our Kirk and uh, my assistant coach um, in college, Chris Owens, mm-hmm. and he was a big part of me. You know, for me going there because you know I had visited four other schools besides Boise, and you know why did I? He was why did you go to Boise? And I, you know, and I'll say it, it was Chris Owens, and and he has a great impact in the state still, serving as like the the state director and development director for Idaho. And I go out and do a camp for him in the summer, Um you know, and across the board, our, my senior year at, at junior nationals, there were three uh junior national freestyle champs from Idaho and one Greco champ. Actually, we had two Greco finalists. So the, we did that year. We had a, we had a good group and, and, you know, I think they're doing great things in Idaho right now, especially in the Boise area and Pocatello, the eastern part.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um I I know you probably know the the Ivanoffs. Um Sure, yeah. The, the Graco Ivanoff, um I Ivan Ivanoff and then the freestyle, the one uh his his son George represented Bulgaria in the Olympics this last year.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So they, you know, they run um Two clubs there you know and so there's going to be some good kids coming out of idaho in the next two three four years so
1: yeah that that's good because there there haven't been a lot uh, at least on the d1 level the past few years right um, so the uh, first time i saw you wrestle in person i took one of my wrestlers to senior nationals 2006 you ended up winning that tournament um, I actually posted the finals match on my YouTube uh, D1CW Video Vault channel. Um, that match was excellent. There's some good scrambles, back and forth action. You get a late takedown and ride out to seal the win over John Reader. You know, what are your recollections from that match and just winning that uh, senior national title?
0: Um. I think it just was all surreal. I know it was just a huge matchup. He came down from 160. I think he was the number one or two ranked number uh, 160 pounder. And I think it was just a a top matchup of guys who were going to go on and do big things. And it was just, who was going to, I don't know, who was going to score last, basically how it was. I was fortunate to come out of a scramble with like two seconds left. I actually thought they weren't going to give me the takedown. (laughs) <laughs> I thought that they just going to say nope, time was out. I was like, screw this kid from Idaho. Who cares? <laughs> no, I actually was like, well, <laughs> I'm not anticipating that. And then they awarded it. It was just, you know, it is what it is. But um, it's funny because uh, just through all of that that craziness, and that was the first national title that I'd ever won, and um. I I came back and I guess it didn't really hit me till I got, got home. And you're just kind of, you know, I'm from, I'm from a town of like 2,500 people. There's like, I don't know, 5,000, 6,000 people in our County. And it's a very rural area for, for someone to go out and, and kind of do that. I, I was very appreciative of the support I had in my town and, and, uh, you know, the, the ride through it, through everything. So, um, I don't remember a whole lot from the match. Luckily you recorded it and, uh, <laughs> I was able to see it afterwards, uh, down the road, but, um, no, hats off to John. We, we chat all the time. He, you know, I call him a friend of mine and, and, uh, we've trained together and he's beat me up since then. So, um, I you know, I I can't say a lot uh for after after high school. Um but uh no it was it was just one of those matches, man, it's just back and forth and it's just just a classic I guess and and uh yeah, like I said, I was thankful to to come out on top and have that opportunity. So
1: Um so so you touched on this a little bit uh earlier. Uh comes time to pick a college, you stayed in the state to wrestle with Boise State. And it's also kind of funny because you, you stayed in the state, but you didn't really stay home because Boise is quite a way away from home for you. You know, what went into the decision? Uh, who else did you consider? And, uh, ultimately, why was Boise State the place for you? Um, well, first I was considering Stanford, Iowa,
0: Nebraska, Wisconsin. Um, and Boise is that five?
1: Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Yeah,
0: we'll Rapsia, Iowa, Wisconsin, Stanford, and Boise. Yes, those are my final five. Um, you know, I really liked Wisconsin. I really like Barry Davis. Um, Bart Cheslevig was still there, and um, Corey Waller. No, um,
1: Corey Wallman.
0: Wallman, yeah. Sorry. Um, great guys. Love. Love those guys. Love the staff. Um, You know, I think, and again, like I said, I visited all these schools. I actually really loved Iowa too, because I went coon hunting with Ryan Morningstar. and It was just (laughs) something different, you know, Uh it was just fun. Just something else. And uh, I actually enjoyed all my visits, but I came back and, you know, I thought about the last four years and, and, Kind of the how I'd gotten to this point, what allowed me to to be recruited by all these schools, and honestly, it was the development that I got in the spring and summer um, for the Team Idaho national camps and the training camps. uh, Just the levels that I jumped, being under Chris Owens, and I was like, man, he he put a lot of time into me so far, and you know, he's gotten to me where got help me allow me to get to where i am now like i wonder where he can can take me from from here you know and so i i guess it was a i i i felt that i that i honored um somebody who had put a lot of time into me and i was like he worked so hard and and it you know a a testament from from um his path coming through Idaho, same thing, Went, did big things and came back and is helping, helping kids out. And and a lot of my teammates, a lot of guys coming up through Idaho will say the same thing. He poured a lot into a lot of kids and, and really helped them get to where they're at. So um, at the end of the day, I was just like – I don't necessarily – I don't know if I go as far as saying I, I owe it to him, but I was very comfortable – with him coaching me and he knew me as a person, um, at a pretty deep level. And, uh, I was was confident in that. And I think once I decided that, then it was like, all right, well, let's, let's get some guys at the school too, you know, guys around you. And, and, uh, you know, uh, Jason Chamberlain coming was a big part, you know, we mm-hmm. we were partners for 3 years and uh Tyler Sherfy was already there and it just kind of was a snowball effect and and uh we gained ground and and uh I was fortunate to be a part of a a, a blue-collar tough
1: team. So plenty of freshmen every year coming to college. They've got lofty high school rankings, achievements, and, you know, they, they may struggle for a little bit. Some of those guys never recover. You know, did you have a period of time early in your career? It may have been just in the practice room, not an actual match, where you felt like you were struggling. And if so, you know, how did you get through those feelings? Um, yeah,
0: I mean, I had my my highs and my lows. I won't say I was... I came in I was just like I don't even think I belong in college wrestling. I know some top guys feel that way and and uh they come in there, you know, they get their butt kicked for a little bit. Yeah, I took my loss, but I also I also expected to do well too, so it was kinda just like, you know not really feel it out but but trust the process and I just kinda put my head down and worked and because i knew division one college wrestling was was going to be a very difficult road and so if i wanted to be good you know i had to do the hard things and 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 again like i said trusting the process of the coaches and and um you know like i said i can't say that it was too up or too down it was i you know i there were particular times in my career where I had some, some good highs and some pretty low lows, but I think what that teaches you as a person is, is, uh, you know, regardless of what happens, life, life continues on. And, and I think now in coaching, it helps me, you know, deal with some of the things that I, that I pour a lot of time and effort and energy into. And, and you see some things come to fruition you some see some things that don't and and i think it's really important you know being a former student athlete to be able to relay some some of those things to your to the to the guys you're coaching and i did this year after you know some didn't reach their goals you know i could relay some things because i'd been in their shoes before so
1: so your freshman season at the NCAA tournament, I've broken it down in pretty decent details for Sudden History Episode 7, the baddest weight class of them all. Uh, just historically impressive group of guys. For instance, you make it to the round of 12 before getting eliminated. You lost to two NCAA champions and Dustin Schlater and J.P. O'Connor. Those are the two and three seeds. You know, Talk about your memories from that tournament, having to compete with a collection of talent like that. And is it the greatest weight class ever, or at least in your lifetime? You know,
0: I, when it, it did that again, didn't hit me until, you know, I had a college for a few years and everybody, all those guys had done something big at the next level. And then realizing like, man, everybody was in that weight. <laughs> and then you look through and you're like, man, it was like 12 deep. Yeah. You know, Will Rowe, who's a, uh, assistant coach at Duke, um, former assistant coach at Duke, and he comes into our room every once in a while to roll with our guys, and, you know, we laugh about it. Well, kind of joke about it, because it's sore for both of us, that it was brutal, man. He was around the 12, I was around the 12, Jake Pataxel was around the 12. Um, I think the Central Michigan kid was around. I can't remember who else was in there, but it was, man. It was like you're, you don't have an easy match probably outside the top 16 or 20. Mm -hmm. You know, you never do obviously at the national tournament, but like you have to beat some, some guys who ended up becoming all Americans or national champs along the way, you know, and that says a lot. So, um, I just think I wasn't, I was still a little raw as a, as a, a redshirt freshman I remember the match I remember I remember getting taken down because it was a close it was like 3-1 but I never gave myself enough enough opportunities to score he just had really good defense and I didn't at the time so um you know I, I don't I don't treat it as like something that affects me negatively like, to this day, I have to have some peace with it. I, I'll never forget it, but I don't like to have things, like, kind of hang over my head because it was two years in a row for me losing in the round of 12, especially um, going through that twice. And, and, in fact, I actually never made it past the quarters at NCAAs. Mm-hmm. So I told my guys, like, I understand when you win and lose in the round of 12. I do. Like, and I, t- you know, all that I tell them is, the years that I won, I attacked more. I just didn't care. I was I was gonna do whatever I needed to do to win. The years that I was hesitant,
1: I didn't win. Mm-hmm. And
0: so, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, yeah. So I was gonna say your sophomore season, you had a pretty good, uh, pretty good regular season, eight seed at nationals, and then your season ended in the round twelve. Just you know go through the mental and physical grind that is competing in the round of 12 and then that disappointment of coming up short of the podium a second year?
0: Yeah. um, That match I remember vividly because of what happened at the end. You know, I think I just held my weight down a little bit and I was feeling it. And that's why I appreciate our guys like, you can worry about weighing in later in the day. You can worry you can run your run your butt off all night to be an all American but you gotta get there first you know and I was just just thinking of, i don't know if I was thinking about some things and and uh it just derailed me from from the uh from the match. I ended up in a barn burner, and I just remember shooting, getting in deep, coming up to finish, and just stop stopping like just freezing i don't know why but the like the last 10 seconds i just remember him kicking out backwards behind me me losing his foot and then he tackled me and i remember it was in front of his his crowd because i just remember looking up at the clock and seeing watching the time tick off and in front of his crowd and i didn't I th- I was just emotionless. I was like I can't believe this happened again. And so Yeah, it's like what are you going to do? You know? You have to get you have to be really honest with yourself and like I need to get better in these areas and it has to mean something enough that I remember in the spring, I remember in the summer, I remember in the preseason. You know, and I and I'm the type of guy that will that will write things down and and you know have casual reminders for myself on a daily because when you do accomplish those things, it validates all the work that you that you put in both both physically but emotionally and mentally. Um. So. Yeah, it was a hard first couple years, and you know, I'll say every single year was hard. Um, I dealt with some pretty, pretty tough injuries. I, you know, I tell my guys, everybody's a little banged up at the end of the year and some guys more so than others. And guys still figure out a way to win. I remember, I think I was a freshman or sophomore, one of my friends, Tyrell Todd, Mm -hmm. I remember watching him come an all American with a torn ACL wearing this huge brace. And I was like, this dude is a savage. Like anything can be done. After I saw that, and I was like, hats off to him, and I'll never, I can never feel sorry for myself, you know. And that's, that's something that, uh, that I kind of took with me because I, I only, I only wrestled one NCAA championship healthy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it was, uh, that's life though. That's life. That's, That's college
1: wrestling. (laughs) Yep. So fast forward to a year later, back in the round of 12 against two-time All-American Matt Moley. Um, You're in a high-scoring match. You know, you said earlier that you were more aggressive um, at that point to get into the top eight for the first time. Uh, It seems like maybe the pressure was off a little bit because then you get two majors, a win over Fittery, and uh, end up finishing third place. You know, talk about, you know, the contrast of emotions, that year?
0: Yeah. You talk about, when I, when I said earlier the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, that tournament kind of brought everything full circle as far as emotions go. Um, you know, earlier that year, I had beaten Chase Pammy in the duel and at the conference tournament put me in a good position to make a run to the the finals. And I ran into him again in the the quarters and, and hats off to him. He wrestled differently, wrestled a smarter match than I did. And just, he came out on top. And I remember going back to my hotel and just had you like, what are you going to do? You have to turn around. It's not like, you know, some other sports where you like it's one thing a day, you know, it's like you have to turn around and put it behind you immediately. And I just remember writing out that I was going to be a an All-American. And I left the hotel and I was so nervous for the match. That. uh I actually had my singlet on backwards. If you go back <laughs> and look at some of the pictures, the Boise State Broncos is on my chest. I was just so nervous that I had my singlet on backwards and that match again was a blur until, until I went back and watched it again. I never, it was, uh, it was one of those things like I didn't know what had happened besides, you know, breaks in the periods that I could stop and think. Um, I think the best thing that happened to me was getting taken down and turned right away. Mm -hmm. Um, because I put myself in like a five-one hole, I think, and at that point you're like, "Screw it! What, do, <laughs> what do I have to lose? What you know? There's nothing." So I just went after it and uh, just created a crazy match. And I think I won nine-eight. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, at that point, it was like the monkey was, you know, and a lot of guys who make it through can attest to this, like a monkey off your back. And then, you know, I see a lot like kevin jack this year um he lost in the round of 12 last year was in it again this year and and had a very very tough opponent and after that point it was like all right let's wrestle you know and so i went on a pretty good run in the back door and and uh yeah i finished third actually pat coached against me
1: <laughs> for oh, <yeah>. third
0: place <laughs> Hey, Every once in a while, he'll throw a jab at, he's like, yeah, we tried to throw everything at you. And I was like, I knew, it was, I knew what he had. I knew that he had a cradle cause you're a cradle guy. And, uh, you know, I think he tried to cement mix me. I think he tried to chin whip me, you know, he threw everything at me. So. Yeah, that,
1: that had to be Justin uh, Lister, didn't it?
0: Yep. Yep. Justin Lister. He was still a big of Um,
1: So going into your senior season, you're fresh off a third-place finish. You know, even if there aren't real rankings out in the spring and summer, you know, you can look at the returners and know you're going to be that number one ranked guy, which you eventually were. Did, you know, carrying a top ranking like that provide any additional pressure?
0: No, I was – if anything, it motivated me more because I – you, in the ranking, I may have been the top guy, but I wasn't the, the... It's not like I was a returning national champ and I was trying to defend anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I still have a lot to prove. And so I think that was more motivating than than something that would scare me. And so... Things my... Um, that summer and that fall, you know, that entire year to prepare me for for whatever I, I was going to run into mentally, physically. And I did some, you know, a few extra things that kind of helped me keep my focus in the spring and the summer and the fall when, you know, time can pass you. And like my coach used to say, just because you get a year older doesn't mean you get a year better. You know, people think just because they, they're a senior doesn't mean that, you know they can't be beat by a freshman, so um, you know i was i I guess I tried to 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 stay humble through the process and it allowed me to to just keep an open mind and keep getting better
1: and so at nationals that senior season, you come in as a one seed with uh two other undefeated guys and Steve Fittery and a freshman David Taylor. uh, you're upset in the quarters by Jason Welsh battle back to get fifth by defeating Welsh. You know, I always respect it when you have a prominent, decorated senior who falls early on and battles back to finish strong. You know, obviously the goal is NCAA champion, but you finish strong as a two-time All-American and avenged a loss from earlier that tournament. You know, what are some of your memories from those match in that tournament overall? Um, I think just a lot of emotions. Um...
0: Yeah, I think about just not reaching my goals. And, and I, you know, we, we try to preach to our guys, like, look, you can do everything in your power to win a national title and you still may not reach it. Reach mm-hmm. that goal. But if you don't do all the right things, you'll never give yourself a chance.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or your chances go down drastically if you don't do the right things if you don't live right, if you don't eat right, you don't write things down, if you're not putting in extra time, if you're not sleeping right, you know, all these things come full circle, especially in how brutal our sport is and being a student athlete. So, um, you know, very, I you know, I think that's one of the reasons why I continued on and wrestled after college. sometimes I think about like what would have happened if I would have won a national title my senior year. You know, I don't, I don't know where it would have ended up if I would have kept wrestling, maybe probably. But I think, um, I just, I, I think I allowed God to work in my life a little bit more because it's like you put so much emphasis on all this work that you, that you do and, you're bored you know, pretty selfish through the process. Cause you're, you're so focused and then things don't, things don't work out. Then what, you know? And even when they do, it's like they, even if you win a national title, it's like, okay, now what, you know, the, the highs and the lows will, will eventually go away and life has to continue on. So, um, I think it was frustrating for me my senior year because I I got hurt at the end of the season and it made me wrestle a little bit differently actually a lot differently and and I know that I didn't reach my my full potential and I and I don't ever like to use that as an excuse I was well capable of winning a title I just had a a lot more adversity to do it and I, I put it out there and it just, it just didn't happen and I think it gives me more empathy as a coach because I see guys who put so much time in and and like, you know, a guy that we had this year, Sean Fogg, like he has no business being a 125 pounder, mm-hmm. but he yeah. did it, he did it for the team and he's successful there and, and, you know, he should have been on the podium and he knows it and we know it and, And what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do about it? You know, you, you still have time and, and have the ability to get there. So, you know, the focus is off of me and I just try to give them little tidbits here and there. And, and just tell them, look, I'll, I'll be there for you if you need to chat. And I'll tell you about some experiences and some things that can motivate you or give you a peace of mind. But just know that life will continue on. And, and then on to the next goal.
1: Now, this may not matter to you because you're a good guy and you're not petty like I may be if I was in the same situation, but you're watching the NCAA finals and Bubba Jenkins wins the title in spectacular fashion, pinning Taylor, and you know, that's the same Bubba Jenkins. You beat an epic tiebreaker bout just a few weeks earlier. You beat him earlier that season. And you mentioned the year before Chase Pammy made it to the finals. You know, what were your thoughts at the time seeing you know the guys like that you had beaten, winning a title or getting to the finals?
0: Right. No, I mean, I'll admit you you think about like, well, what did I do wrong? You know, because obviously you beat these guys during the year or, or whatever, and and then. I you know, I stopped being selfish about it. I said they did what they did and I did what I did. And hats off to them because they went out and did it and I didn't. And again, I'm not one to just sit here and, and feel sorry for myself because it's not gonna help anything in the situation at all. Yeah, it hurt to see some of you beaten earlier in the year win a national title. But again, like I said, hats off to him because he went out and did it and um you know i like to this day i I don't have any hard feelings for those guys i talk to chase tammy all the time when i run into bubba same thing like because for me it's like why should i why really should i be bitter at them you know Mm -hmm. i it doesn't help my life out at all it doesn't it wouldn't I don't, I guess I'm not necessarily driven by, by, I, I guess, bitterness. I'm, you know, I like to be more, if I can, optimistic. And, and again, like I said, life, life goes on. And so, yes, it took me a little while to process that. Um, but I think I just focused on my next move, you know, as opposed to like dwelling on, what had just happened and why I didn't accomplish my goals in college. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's just it just continues to drive me in a, in a more positive way.
1: And also, if you will, go through the team aspect of your senior season, because, you know, I, I'm sure it's the best team in school history. There's a great collection of talent, a couple multiple-time All-Americans, but ultimately um, the Broncos finished ninth at Nationals despite being Ranked uh, number two for a good portion of the season.
0: Right. Um, I think more than anything, it hurt to see us lose Kirk Smith our his senior year. Yep. Uh, you know, he was out at the beginning of the year with some back problems, came back just fine. And then the duel with Oklahoma state, he got taken backwards over the top of his ankle and he was wrestling Chris Perry and, Got taken backwards and just just blew out his ankle. It was not good. Um, you know when you when you don't have a returning national finalist with you, it's like it's brutal um, to see him take six at the conference and have to get a wild card because he couldn't defend himself. <laughs> you you know what I'm talking about? Like feeling sorry for yourself. I had a hard time not feeling sorry for another guy because mm-hmm. I'm like, this dude put his whole life in this sport for it to end like this. I'm like, I had to stay focused on myself, obviously, And but it was tough because, you know, with him, who knows? We would have been, I don't know, four, fifth, sixth, somewhere in there. We would have done what he needed to do, healthy. Yo, and Yeah, we would have been the best team in school history. I think my coach reminded me that, Kirk White reminded me that, Hit a team that he was on, they finished ninth one year. So, you know, hard to say who was the better team, but uh, he knows. Mm-hmm. He knows because he coached us. But, uh, yeah, I, again, going back to what I was saying from the beginning, i just really blessed and thankful to have a good group of guys. Um, you know, we set the conference scoring record one year. Um, one year we took all ten guys – or we qualified all ten guys. We only took nine. One guy was banged up and then, you know, a couple other years we took nine guys. So, Um, you know, hopefully someday we'll be able to come back together for a happy reason, you know, and celebrate Mm -hmm. those things. So.
1: All right. So enough of the heavy stuff. I'm going to move on to something different. You if Adam Hall is in charge of wrestling, everything from youth to international styles, you know, what are one or more changes that you'd like to implement to make the sport better? It could be a rule change, a change of emphasis, you know, uh, just kind of wide open for you.
0: You know, one thing that I
1: like that I've been seeing,
0: I'm not sure if it's being implemented throughout the country, but more so um, I've seen it on the East Coast, um, a little bit in the Midwest, is these tournaments where younger kids come in, they get, three, four, five matches and they're out by, by noon. I oh, think yeah. at the, the development level, what, you know, where we lose parents, especially parent parents that are, who are new to the sport is holy crap. I just spent 12 hours in the gym and we got to do this next weekend.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know yep. these these kids leagues. Like I think about it, I went to in our kids leagues. We had a tournament every weekend for like six weeks, six weekends in a row. That burns parents out, especially new parents. You know, sure, and I think yeah. about that a lot. And, and you know, another thing too is is you see this rise in in specialization in the sport, and kids getting hurt earlier and burned out from the sport. You know, I played three sports in high school. I yeah. played all kinds of sports growing up. I mean, when I actually, when I got back after winning that match, winning the tournament at Senior Nationals, I came back the next day and I was at track practice.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, I was like hearing about a 15-year-old kid at NHSDA who has after the tournament go go and get shoulder surgery. And I'm thinking, you're
1: 15 years old. Jeez,
0: Yeah. And I, I, I hope you take the time to, to, to let it heal fully because you're a young kid and you're going to continue to grow. You don't want any reoccurring problems that's going to keep you from reaching your goals, not at, not only in high school but in college. And so, um, you know, that's, that's kind of chicken and egg thing where as wrestling gets better, you know, more opportunities, more, you know, access to better technique and better coaching. It's like, what do you do? I think you have, you know, parents have to do a, a good job of giving their time, their kids time off, take vacation. So they don't need to go wrestling the battle for the belt or whatever. Because really, does it, does it really matter to get a belt when you're seven years old? You know, as opposed to development and and letting them be a kid so that they love the sport when they're in junior high and high school, you know, and and I'm not, and I'm not, and I'm not saying like, no, don't, don't go to these tournaments. It's just, I think you have to be a a little bit more conservative and pick and choose what you, what you want to, you know, put your kid through and you have to make sure that he still wants to do it because he wants to do it, not because you want him to do it. Mm -hmm. So, and you see it all the time. Like I, I was joking with Kevin Dresser last weekend. You know when he said his his son's a pretty good basketball player, and the the head coach <laughs> at Ames High School is recruiting him. So he has a uh, you know this big head on his shoulders that he's being recruited, and have to humble him a little bit. But I was like, that hats off to you for allowing your son to do what he wants to do, and it, whether it be wrestling or basketball or whatever, just the fact that you're allowing them to continue to love the sport. And I think that's one thing that I was thankful of having is my dad never coached me. He never pressured me. My mom just said, I love you and I'm going to take you wherever you want to go. But if you don't want to go, like, and you know, that's, that's fine. So, um, I think it's great. What these kids have with the access again, like I said, what flow and YouTube and, and, You know, what you're doing and Jason Bryan's doing and just access to information and and people is is huge, especially with the development of our our sport. But I think we have to be careful um, if we're going to continue to develop at a grassroots level.
1: Yeah, that's some excellent, excellent words and advice. Um, So probably the most important question I'll ask you. Um, what makes you the best dressed coach on the n c state staff because I know there's uh competition between you guys
0: <laughs> you I want you to uh tweet this out or put this publicly that you that you said that i might just I, I might just put in quotations in a tweet because we like to argue and there's there's always uh somebody has to one up somebody else and i don't know if you saw uh uh Frank beasley's red suit at conference. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, they they will give it to me a little bit. As far as uh, I I tell them, you know, when I when I got on staff, you guys had to up your game a little bit because I can't. You're like, what's a pocket square and what's this, you know? And I was fortunate enough to be in the same boat coming from Idaho and and coming out to New York um, and learning about you know respectable fashion, I guess. <laughs> and so uh so <laughs> no, i think it's great i think uh it draws fan involvement i think it creates a buzz for the program you know another uh program that does really well at promoting it is minnesota and um i think it's great i think uh it draws some attention to the sport um that in no way i think is bad um and I think it keeps it fun and light, too, because our guys, they'll let us know. Like, I was one particular duel at home. I decided to bust out another suit, and I need i need to get it um, re-altered. And one of my guys was just straight up with me. He's like, you look like my dad going to his lawyer job, he, like his being an attorney. <laughs> and that hit that hit hard at home because I was just like it's the middle of the season, it's whatever, but no, these guys are on top of on top of us like all the time, so the game is strong always
1: <laughs> uh so so when are we gonna see you competing next
0: uh you know, um I didn't even tell my guys until they they found out from other people. But um, after New York, after the NYAC, I decided to, to hang them up, and for a couple of reasons. Um, I knew where our program was at and having a lot of younger guys, and a lot of time needed to be put into the de- their development and just, just different things. And I think I was a little bit bitter towards the end of my training, and I feel like taking away something from them and trying to be selfish and, and do as, as well as you can and to make a work, you know, have a chance to make a world team at, at the NYAC. And I think after that point, it was just like, I, I had some thinking to do and, you know, kind of got to the point where I was like, my body's pretty beat up. In fact, I'm actually getting surgery on my knee this Wednesday. It's uh. It's pretty beat up. And I actually broke my hand in in January, the same day we wrestled Duke. And so I've been kind of through the, the gamut. Um, in fact, Wednesday will be the fifth major surgery I've had in my life. And so it's uh, it's time. You know, if I want to continue to help these guys out, I can't do what I, what I want to do to compete at the highest level because my body just won't allow it. And at the same time, helping these guys out and and, and uh, beat up on the guys, you know, almost daily. Um, you know, I still work out a lot, and I still do pretty much everything the guys do, just, just not competing. In fact, I wrestled with our guys this morning, and I wrestled with the RTC guys this afternoon. And I'm like, I'm going to be in a world of hurt tomorrow, <laughs> so... Yeah, unfortunately, I'm I'm done. But again, with everything, it opens a new chapter in my life, and I'm excited to to um to move forward and see what's next. And I'm I'm actually really thankful for my fiance Christine and the support that she's given me through the the couple of years of last last couple of years of competing and through all the the stuff I've been through with my body and and processing the information and making that decision. So,
1: and uh, you know you can pass along my thanks for you know letting you talk to me on date night (laughs) in case anybody doesn't know that that
0: that she she would be she was actually when she heard it that you know the opportunity to be able to talk with you she's like whenever wherever we'll we'll do it in fact i want to sit in the car with you but uh she she had to get home tonight so um again thanks so much ed and uh or sorry earl and um and uh really looking forward to to hear to listening to to whatever I said and the ramble that that I went on, but really appreciate the good questions and the what you're doing for our sport so oh all right well,
1: I appreciate you you know giving me so much time and so much insight
0: awesome well uh, again, I'm gonna hopefully tweet out here pretty soon that on. Uh, live that that uh, you mentioned that I was the best dressed coach on the staff and got especially got to let Frank and Pat and, and Obi know that. So
1: yeah, so, I'll, uh, I'll, make, I'll I'll make sure that to shout out. I'll make sure to uh, you know, put something in there too.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: awesome man. Well, thanks so much again. I Appreciate it.
1: All right. A big thanks to Adam Hall for joining me on the Sudden History Wrestling Podcast. So there you have it. I will reiterate a huge thank you to Adam Hall for coming on and being so open with us. I always appreciate feedback. So you can hit me up on Twitter at D1CW for me personally at Sudden History for the show. You can also subscribe to Sudden History on iTunes or anywhere that podcasts are found. You know, really, I don't know, some places I've never even went to myself. But leave a review there, too. That's that's cool, I guess. Before you go... Remember to check out the Matt Talk Podcast Network. I think almost every show on the network has put up some sort of new content lately, so explore all of the shows on the network. And finally, how about you go to www.therudist.com for all your wrestling gear needs. As I'm talking, I've got one of their Orange Les Gutches shirts on, and they hooked me up with some excellent D1CW shirts. Okay, that's enough for this time. And until next time, Greg Jones
0: how the hell do I get off the stage?